just turn around and take your Bible. I believe God has a word, a word for you today, a word that's going to meet needs, a word that's going to touch hearts, a word that's going to challenge your spirit. It's Psalms chapter 145. Somebody get excited about Psalms 145. Before I get into that narrative, let me connect today's conversation to last week's conversation where Joshua in Joshua chapter 4, he looked at the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant and he said to them, he said, come up and out because God had held back the floodwaters of the Jordan River so the nation of Israel could walk over the, the dry riverbed and up the bank and into what God had promised for them. He said, come up and out. But you see, that was not just a word that gave a physical command an action for them to do it was also metaphorical because how many of you know sometimes you got to go up before you can come out you see what he was saying to the nation of Israel is I want you to begin to celebrate the goodness of God from this day forward because when you begin to celebrate the goodness of God you come up and out you come up and out of depression up and out of fear up and out of your past come on up and out of difficulty somebody say come up and out I'm going to need you to help me preach today the first service was rocking it I didn't even have to do anything so I want you to just feel what God is going to give you today in every way just, just grab hold of it because I know he has something incredible because last week I, I just didn't feel like God had finished up with every nuance of this concept come up and out so today, I want to do part two of Come Up and Out, but I want to look at it from a different angle. I want to use a different lens. I want to look at it from a different camera angle. Because how many of you know sometimes the difficulties in life and everything that we're going through at the present can cause you to be tired but it's during that season that you have to focus on the goodness of God because your focus can either empower you or imprison you. So today I, I want to have a continuation, an extension of come up and out. And the title of today's message is this. Are you ready? Walk in the wind. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, walk in the wind. Look at another neighbor and say, walk in the wind. You can be seated. Psalms 145. Let me set this up. In Psalms 145, keep playing, D. Thank you. You sound good today. Psalms 145 is a very intriguing narrative of Scripture. It's written by David. King David wrote 73 different psalms, but this psalm has a different construct. This psalm has this upward focus, this narrative that points to God all of the way through. It is the last psalm that is attributed to David. It is the only psalm that starts out with the title, A Praise of David. And the cadence of this song, psalm, song, if you will, points to David's life and his experiences, but also what he learned about God in those experiences. 
So let me read to you just a part of the narrative, and then I'll pause to offer some context to the conversation. But in Psalms 145, beginning in verse 1, it says, David writes, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name on Sundays. And I'll praise your name on Mondays if work is going fine. And every now and then, if I'm winning, I'm going to praise you. If I'm losing, I might look to you. Are y'all with me? You can't be with me because that's not what it says. He says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. He's making this personal. He says, my God, the King, I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. There it is again. Verse 3, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Hold on a second. He says, his greatness no one can can fathom. So here is David. I need this to resonate in your spirit. David is giving us this vantage point of his spirit and he's looking up. It's a vertical conversation, if you will, where David is not allowing what is happening horizontally to be greater than the one who's above all that's happening. He said, I will praise you forever and ever, every single day. Because your greatness no one can fathom. How many of you know sometimes the information that we're inundated with every single day can wear you out? Social media, the news, the chaos. And David says, I will exalt you forever and ever. I will extol your name forever and ever. And you are worthy of praise and no one can fathom your greatness. Chaplain, what I love about this narrative is David is showing us something. He's teaching us something. He's showing us the depth of his heart because it's so easy for us with all of the information to lose focus and perspective of who God is because of all of the information. So David is writing this and teaching us something that I praise God in the highs and I praise God in the lows and remember Darren he's looking back this is the last psalm that he ever writes so he's looking back I praise you in the highs and the lows the winds and the losses the peaks and the valleys and there is something about this narrative that he shows us because out of the 73 that he writes the construct is so different in this narrative. In fact, his pen runs out of ink talking about the glory of God. Because in so many other narratives, so many other Psalms that he writes, he talks about the, the acute pain that he's experiencing in life. But yet in this Psalm, his focus is upward, not inward. His focus is upward, not inward. You see, sometimes in order to get through the tension within, we've got to focus on him so that we can walk into the wind. Lord have mercy. Good. You're not grabbing this. Sometimes in the tension of life, we've got to focus on him so that we can walk into the wind. I, listen, I'm dropping dimes. I'm making rhymes. And y'all are not even excited about this. <laughs> you don't realize how much work it takes to come up with something like that. Lord. 
that's pretty good. Yeah. Join me. Listen. Because so often in life, here's David trying to grab this. He's trying to wrap his mind around the greatness of God while not allowing himself to lose perspective of who God is. In fact, I, I wrote this down. Sometimes, you, you got to grab this, sometimes what keeps us from coming out, sometimes what keeps us from coming out of the Jordan, coming out of an old mindset, coming out of our past, coming out of the tension of life, is that our ability to come up has been altered by our perspective of who God is. Sometimes coming out has been altered because we've lost perspective of who God is and therefore our going up has been altered because of what's happening around us on the horizon. So David, he says this, and listen, I don't think you're catching what I'm throwing, so this morning I wrote this down. Sometimes our reaction to the tension of life keeps us from responding to the goodness of God. Grab it. Sometimes how you are reacting to all of the information is greater than how you are responding to the greatness of God. Every day, David said, I'll praise him. But listen, not every single day in David's life was tension-free. If you know anything about David's life, he lost kids, he made mistakes, he had failures, he had problems. But he's saying every day was not good, but every single day was an opportunity to praise his goodness. So he's teaching us. I'm going to. So he's teaching us in this narrative. That he would not allow the tension that he experienced in life to keep him from walking in the goodness of God. And listen, how many of you know? Thank you, D. I forgot you were there. So smooth. How many of you know? When you're watching the news and you're watching the chaos and you're watching all of the stuff, sometimes it just drains us emotionally. And the information that we hear, the information that is available to us, it doesn't change who God is, but sometimes it changes whom we think God is. That information doesn't change the goodness of God, but sometimes it does change our perspective of who God is. It's like, why this pandemic? Why this sickness? Why this unemployment? Why this cultural crisis? Will I get sick? Will I not get sick? And all of the information that is coming against you, it, it, it robs you of your attention. It's just informational overload. In fact, I have heard it said that information comes with a cost. And the cost is your attention. Because information has the ability to consume your attention. Therefore, if that statement is true, informational overload will impoverish your attention. 
Let me illustrate this. You come home. It's time for supper with your family. So you gather around and you're all eating together, but yet you don't turn the television off, which is probably not a good practice. And so 30 minutes passes and you have not had any conversation with the most important people in the room because all of the conversation that you're having is with the television. And if you are having conversation with the people in the room, it's based upon everything that you are focused on right now. And therefore, what is most important, the people in the room and that moment has been robbed by something that is beyond your control. Hello, am I the only one in here that's going to be honest about that? And sometimes it happens in our relationship with God with all of the different stuff. We're so focused on everything that is happening here that we lose focus of what is going on there. So David said, I will, I will praise the Lord every day forever and ever and because God is worthy of, of praise and what you need to understand is that David is showing us something. He's saying that our focus has the ability to liberate us or confine us. And that we cannot allow, we cannot allow, in fact, here's what I wrote. We cannot allow our reaction to the difficulties of life to be greater than our response to the goodness of God. We cannot. And some of you have allowed that to happen in your life and it's just natural. But we cannot allow how we react to everything that is going on to be greater than our response to the one who's in control of everything that is going on. So sometimes, though, our perspective of who God is is so skewed that sometimes our response to God, let me say it this way, our response to God is heavily based upon or biased, if you will, by how we view God. Our response to God is heavily biased by how we view God. You see, sometimes we place God in these subjective roles. If we see God as joyful, then we want to be a person of joy. If we see God as unforgiving, then condemnation sets in and we want to begin to judge others. If we see God as this unapproachable God that, that requires just silence and reverence, then you are probably offended at our style of worship. But David is saying no one can fathom his greatness. We cannot, we cannot look to God with our limited subjectivity. <laughs> Because God is greater. God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. He placed the stars in the sky. God himself planted three trillion trees on the face of the earth. Did you know that the earth moves through space at 67,000 miles per hour? That only means that right now you are almost 67,000 miles away from where you were when this service started. You see, some of you think that nothing is ever moving in your life 
life, but God has set everything into perpetual motion. Did you know that God has never had a thought that he hasn't already had? Because if he has a thought that he hadn't already had, that means he can learn something. And how can God learn something when he knows everything? Are you with me? You see, you may think that life is beyond your control, but he's always in control. In fact, the Bible says he's the great I am. That means he can be whatever he needs to be. If I need to be a healer, I'm a healer. If I need to part seas, I part seas. Then God got really awesome and told us how awesome he was when he wrote John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And everything that was made was made by him, and nothing that has been made was made without him. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is our hope, that God is so good that he gave us his only son. He became like us so that he could empathize with us. Somebody ought to be on your feet giving God praise because when you thought everything was lost and no one was in control, you forgot God's the creator of the universe and he never loses control. I'm going to lose my voice preaching today. of God he said he said no one can fathom how great you are and you know what God is doing God is doing something when when he says when David writes no one can fathom the greatness of God basically what David is saying and those three verses think about those three verses with me for a moment I will praise the Lord at all times I will exalt your name forever and ever I will extol the Lord at all times. I will praise you forever and ever. Your name is worthy of praise. No one can fathom the greatness, how great you are. David is telling us in the first three verses, remember, this is a recap on his life. And what David is saying is that your praise swallows up complaints and grief. Because God created you as a vessel of praise. And sometimes what is happening in life has robbed our attention, has impoverished our attention. David refused to allow what was going on in his life to impoverish his attention so that he lost focus of God's position in his life. I'm jumping all around today but just because I know God has given me this. And I want to make sure that I give you every single thing that he, he has given to me. But I need you to understand something. I need you to understand this. Let me just get to this point. I think what David is showing us in verses 1 through 3 is that life many times will be beyond our control. But praise can never be beyond our lips. That praise has to, that's, that's who you are. That's the vessel in which God created you to be. And for us to call out and to praise him for his, his greatness. In fact, I started to call this, hey, D, I started to call this, this message the A to Z of victory. I don't know why I'm in this rhyming thing, but 
but the A to Z of victory. And here's why. Because the construct of this narrative in its original form was an acrostic. It was an acrostic that David wrote using the Hebrew alphabet. And every verse began with the subsequent letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And David was writing this in that way as if to say that God is greater than our A to Z. He is so great that we can't even imagine. He is the A to Z of, of, of victory. You see, we cannot make God bigger and we cannot make God smaller. But the question is... Have you allowed God to become small in you? Verses 4 through 7, I know right now some of you are saying, Oh my Lord, there's like 21 verses in this narrative and we're on verse 4. <laughs> Watch this, I'm going to show you this, I'm going to show you this, I'm going to show you this. Here's what he, here's what he says in verses Four and following, he says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. I love verse 4 because verse 4, King David takes it beyond his own personal relationship with God. You remember he starts out saying, my God, my King, I will praise you forever and ever. But then verse 4, he says it has to go beyond us. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. One time I preached a sermon called called I think it was called praise for others we've heard of pray for others but sometimes people need you to praise for them because they're so down and when you begin to lift up God in your difficulty they'll say well I can lift up God in my difficulty sometimes you have to praise for others but what I love about this narrative is, is, especially these few verses, is that what David is trying to tell us is that you've got to share with others the goodness of God from generation to generation. Here we are thousands of years later talking about how God delivered the people of Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. Thousands of years later, we're just continuing to pass the story on and on and on. And when you begin to tell others about what God has done in your life and how good he's been in your life, you know what it does? it reminds you that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means if he was a deliverer, he is a deliverer, and he will be a deliverer in the future. If he was peace, he is peace, and he will be peace in the future. If he was healing, he is healing, and he will be a healer in the future. Can you imagine how our world would be different if we stopped focusing on the differences of others and began to focus on the greatness of God? We would understand understand how people are uniquely made walk in the wind he says just skip with me for the sake of time just jump down to verse 15 verse 15 jump down there verse 15 let me find verse 15 where is verse 15 hold on a second 
can't tell which way it's better. Verse 15, it says, The eyes of all, how ironic. The eyes, you'll get that when you go home. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food. At the proper time, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways and faithful in all that he does. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. Aren't you thankful for that? To all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries and he saves them. Hold on a second. Only David who went through all of the things that David went through can write this. But again, there is something different about this narrative because many of the other Psalms that David writes, he doesn't exude this much confidence. Many of the other Psalms that David writes, he's, he feels unprotected, he feels vulnerable. He feels like God's not working on his timeline. Have you ever been there? But now David, the very last Psalm that he writes, he looks back over every single one of those times and he realizes, hold on for a second, God has been with me all along. He's been with, I thought I was alone, but he's been with me all along because he's there steadily walking me into the wind. So God, I will praise your name. I will exalt your name forever and ever. I will extol your name forever and ever for you are most worthy of praise and no one can fathom your greatness. Is there anyone in this place who will stand up and give God a praise for the greatness of who he is? Because he's more than your problem. He's more than your difficulty. He's greater than your past. He desires to walk you into the wind for you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. 